Welcome to Ride Over Stride, Episode 5. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis, and we're going to be responding to a question from a clinic participant. Yes, Laura. By the way, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, yeah, we had a question come in from a, a, a person that went to one of our mini clinics. And then the question was, what, what do you do about horses that pull back, set back? Folks have had horses that we've all seen that where a horse might be tied up to a trailer or tied up to a hitching rail or tied up to a, a post of some sort and pull back. And oftentimes it's a very violent type of deal. And in my case, sometimes I see it and I got to admit it. Sometimes I just laugh, not at the horse, not the situation that's going on there, but people's reaction to that when it happens. because. Too many times I see a horse pulling back for whatever reason, and then everybody runs at him yelling, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and, I'm, and then they want to know why the horse keeps pulling back. Oh, my God, he's got a mob of folks chasing after him, and the darn thing's <laughs> tied up and can't get away from him. You know, Trying so, to escape. Yeah, trying to escape. Which brings us to a point. When we talk about horses that pull back, and to me, the first thing I think of when I, I think of a horse that pulls back is I think, well, there's a horse that's really not halter trained. And immediately when I say that, oh, yeah, he's halter trained. It, you know, we've got a halter on him, been leading him around for years. But to me, if a horse is pulling back against a halter, unless there is a really, really good justifiable reason, say an airplane flies by right in the front of the horse's face, or just something that's so obscure, something that's just so out of the ordinary that the horse is really trying to flee and get away from it, apart from some wild excuse like that, there's really no reason why a horse should pull back and set back. But the reason that they do is because they don't respect the halter. The horse has no idea of what that restraint, and I hate to even use that word, but what the restraint of a halter is really all about. So we have to understand that before we ever tie the darn thing up, he needs to be extremely well halter trained. And otherwise, just don't tie him up. I want to back up just for one minute in case some folks that are listening aren't from Texas and maybe <laughs> use different lingo. When you're talking about a horse setting back, yeah, I'm not a native Texas girl. So, <laughs> well, what I'm referring to is like a horse is tied up. Sometimes rather it be cross ties, uh, or if a horse is tied up to a hitching rail or to a trailer or whatever the case may be. And what I mean by a horse setting back or pulling back is when the lead rope comes tight and that restraint of the halter is kind of pulling on the horse, and the horse violently goes to try to pull back and fight against okay. the halter and, of course, whatever they're restrained to. So it's just a very violent act of this horse pulling back with all he's worth to try to getting away from whatever it is that he thinks he needs to escape. Okay, and it. oftentimes it's nothing more than just a fear reaction. Oftentimes because horses have not been properly halter trained, and they, we tie them up to something that has no give to it whatsoever, such as a trailer or such as cross ties or to you know a hitching rail or to a really heavy post on a fence, whatever the case may be, that when the horse just sometimes does nothing more than just moves their head to look to see what might be behind them, who knows, but just moves their head, and they feel that sudden restraint and that absolute no give, then it kicks in an instinct to them of fighting for their freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, horses have what we call, we, we've heard this for years, what we call the fight or flight syndrome. 
Well, if you look at it from the horse's perspective, their first instinct is to always flee of any sort of danger, flee from that danger. But if we've got them tied up, then they can't flee. They don't like any kind of restraint at all. Matter of fact, any sort of restraint that we do with a horse, we have to teach them how to respond to that restraint. Otherwise, they're going to react to that restraint. And because the reaction, if they can't flee, then the only defense is to fight. Right. And, and we really don't want, as far as we're concerned, we don't want either one of those. You know, we won't even try to flee and take the trailer with him. And we don't want him to try to <laughs> fight and turn around and kick us when we're trying to get the horse untied or whatever the case may be. So we really want to train the horse, spend ample amount of time with our horses on the ground doing simple groundwork exercises that gives this horse an opportunity to give in to the slightest of pressure to that halter and to the lead rope so that he never feels the urge or overpowers his instinct to pull against it and to fight against it, but to always give in to it. And that's extremely important, especially long before we ever tie a horse up hard and fast. But because let's go back to that instinct for them to flee. And then put that in relative terms of what we're talking about today, which is the horse pulling back or setting back. If a horse's first instinct is to flee and we go and we tie them up, don't we take away that opportunity for this horse to flee if anything goes wrong? So oftentimes what we see from that is a horse becoming very anxious when we tie him up. Horses are herd animals. So when you tie him up, he's oftentimes not tied up around his buddies, not tied up around other herd. We tie him up separately and independently. And we start seeing behaviors such as a lot of anxiety, the horse pacing back and forth or on the halter or on the lead rope, wherever he's tied, he's working himself going back and forth. Or oftentimes we'll see him paw the ground. We'll see horses try to rear up and all sorts of things going on because this horse is trying to escape. He can't because he's tied. He's also wondering where all the other horses are and why is he over there by himself? And so from the perspective of a horse's sort of evolutionary development, He's in the most dangerous possible situation. He's alone. He's isolated. And he's confined. He's and he's confined. He so he's, he becomes what we might call the sacrificial lamb. He's staked mm. out. You know, he is the sacrificial lamb, so mm. to speak. So we have to look at it from that perspective, from that horse's perspective. It goes against everything in his instincts for him to be what we take for granted. For this horse just to be tied. Why you're is my safe, horse going You're safe nuts? there. I've got, yes, you, I've got exactly. you all tied up so you can't get away. Exactly. You're tied to a nice, safe hitching rail and or you're in a nice, safe barn. What could possibly be wrong? But we don't understand. We've not spent enough time in training this horse to learn to deal with that. Now, there's also, because we mentioned the herd thing a little while ago, been that separation from the herd. So what do you do about that? You can't tie a whole bunch of horses together all the time, can we? But what we can do is that we have to realize in the in the very beginning processes as we're getting these younger horses or sometimes even older horses that have never been tied before, as we're getting them used to this situation, maybe it's a good idea to take two horses that are getting along, that are herd mates, if you want to call that, and tie them up side by side. Let them stay tied for very short increments of time side by side. And let's just take a mare and a foal, for example. I like to teach my babies to stay tied at a very young age. Let's just take a mare and a foal. I mean, you can't get a much closer bond with horses than a mare and a foal. So oftentimes what I might do is I might lead both the mare and the foal over at the same time and tie them both up very close to each other. And I might leave them there for literally five minutes. And then I'll untie them and take them both away. The next time, or depending on how good that process was, the next time I might take the mare and the foal and tie them up together. 
and I might separate them just a little bit. There might be a little bit more distance between the two. And I might groom on the fall. I might do something that'll keep his mind off of being separated from his mom, even though he's next to her tied up, but he can't get to her. You know, he's, he's still restrained. So I'll do something to occupy his time. I'll brush on him. I'll pet on him. I'll do whatever it takes for a certain amount of time for this horse to get somewhat relaxed and be okay with not being able to move at that moment because he's, he's tied up to that fence. And over time, I just keep separating those further and further apart. They're still tied, maybe tied to the same area, but we're separating them just gradually. And we're also increasing the amount of time that they're tied. Over time, what I'll do is I'll go tie the two up together. And let's say they're, you know, hypothetically, let's just pick a number. Let's say they're 30 feet apart and the baby seems to be handling it pretty good. Now what I'll do is I'll go and tie the mom and I'll lead her away. Let's say I'll go put her back in her pasture, go put her back in a stall, wherever the case may be. I'll come back immediately and get the fall. During that time I'm leading his mom away, oftentimes he might get a little bit anxious at that moment. He might get a little bit upset. In a short period of time, I'm going to come get him and untie him and then lead him back to where he came from. And let's say that took me, say, a couple of minutes for that to happen, that we were, he was only separated from his mom a couple of minutes before I came back and got him and carried him back to where he needed to be. Over time, as he gets more and more used to that, we can increase that increment of time as well. So he begins to realize that there's an end to the drudgery. He's not going to be the sacrificial lamb. Somebody's going to come back and get me. And over time, as a horse learns to deal with both the restraint and the separation, and then the confidence that somebody's going to come back and get him, then he gets less and less anxious about that separation. So see, it's a process that we do. I never take a horse and do what I call a sink or swim situation. Here's a horse that's never been tied, got a halter on him, got a lead rope on him, and I'm going to go tie him up to a fence really nice and stout because there's way too many things that can happen. And most of those things are pretty bad. And so it's really about respecting what the horse is and its evolutionary development and the way the horse's mind works. Exactly. We have to understand in order to train a horse, we have to know something about them, don't we? In order to, for us to, for them to deal in our world, we've got to spend our due diligence and understanding the horse for what it is. And even though it might sound perfectly safe and good for us to go tie a horse up to a nice safe object or to an obstacle someplace, the reality is it goes so deeply against this horse's instincts that it just doesn't really make much sense. It's very tolerant of the horse to even finally learn how to do that. But we need to learn to do it over time and need, need to be a very good, slow process. And some horses are different than others. Some horses it takes a lot longer. Some horses learn very quickly, and it all depends on what that horse's personality is. We've got a great gilding at the house. I love him because he's just one of those horses that doesn't matter what you're doing with him. He just doesn't care where the other horses are. He's not very herd-bound at all. But yet we've got others that as soon as you lead them away, they'll spend the first five minutes that they're away from the other horses nickering back and forth at each other. And then after a you know, few minutes, they're okay, and they just relax, and they begin to get kind of settled into their new environment. But every horse is slightly different. Therefore, there's never an absolute answer how we're going to fix something. But now let's look at, we've got a horse that maybe has learned how to be a habitual setback horse. In other words, he pulls back a lot. What would I do in that situation? We have to, again, understand that the horses, and I say habit, it's not a habit that they choose. It's something that they think is the correct answer. So they fight and they resist. But let's say we've got a horse that pulls back. We have to understand that's incredibly dangerous for us, but it's also incredibly dangerous for our equipment for the things that we have him tied to. But most importantly, it's also incredibly dangerous for the horse itself. 
Because if we think about where the halter is placed on a horse, it's just right behind the ears there on that pole region. And of course, we've seen the shape of halters. They go down the jaw and underneath the jaw and over the nose. But the, the area that I'm most concerned about is that band of the halter that goes over right behind the horse's ears, right over that pole region. The reason why is because if that horse does set back and pull, all of this horse's weight, strength, and power is placed on that very small area of that horse's head where that band is. And I've seen a lot of performance horses that had performance issues because they had scar tissue and damage to that area of their head because they've, they've pulled back so much, or sometimes I say so much, sometimes it can just happen one time where a horse pulls back and causes some damage up there in that pole region. So to me, it's very dangerous for, this, for the health and well-being of this horse, as well as maybe even potentially making a good performance horse out of him. So it's extremely dangerous. So how do we prevent it? Number one, our due diligence and time of getting the horse trained and go through those necessary processes. But the other thing we can do is when we tie them up, don't tie them up hard and fast. What I mean by that is don't tie a knot on the lead rope in such a way that when the horse pulls back, there's no forgiveness in the lead rope. So what I do, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of pipe fencing, you know, at my ranch. So I'll take the horse to a pipe fence. It's nice and stout, round edges, nothing that's going to cut or hurt the horse. But rather than tie the horse to the pipe rail, what I do is I just wrap the lead rope around it a couple of times. That way when the horse pulls, the, the lead rope will come unwrapped to a certain degree and it'll allow the horse up freedom. He doesn't feel that instant restraint. He still feels some resistance but nothing that's hard, nothing that's just instantaneous restraint on his head and neck, which could even cause him to get even more fearful and fight even harder. So because he gets that little bit of resistance, then he tends not to pull back and fight. So when he realizes that there's no restraint there, there's nothing to fear, then I just merely go over there and I just pull the lead rope back and put him back in the position that he was in prior to him pulling back. And sometimes this process goes on for days or weeks until this horse no longer sets back or pulls back. And at that point in time, it, then I feel safe about tying the horse hard and fast. In other words, in a knot that will, that'll be firm so that if he does pull back, he, he's not going to escape. He's not going to leave. And so this is sort of a, a separate question, but I was thinking of when you were talking about the training a young foal, I've seen pictures or recommendations that when you tie up a really young horse, something like putting a, I don't know, like an inner tube between the end of the rope and the post that they're tied to so right. that it has some give. What do you think about that? I just, you know, I've seen that a lot and, and it works for some people, but here's the part that scares me is that, and it's not a bad idea. I mean, it, the whole concept there is that giveness, that yeah. forgiveness, you know, that you tie a horse up to that and when he pulls back, it's going to stretch. But if you ever stretched rubber band beyond its stretching point, then what happens? It breaks. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to use an inner tube, you need to make sure that it's a fresh one something that's not dry rotted, because if he pulls back to the point to where that inner tube is going to stretch enough to break, or maybe not to stretch enough, maybe it's dry rotted enough that the horse goes to pull back. And now all of a sudden that thing slaps him in the face. Yeah, that's what then two things happen. Number one, whatever caused him to pull back in the first place was bad enough, but now he pulled back and gets slapped in the face by something. And now he's running loose with an inner tube tied to the lead <laughs> rope, chasing him. So to me, I just don't like that type of deal. There's a fellow named Ted Blocker that several years ago, he developed a little ring. He calls the, the blocker tie ring. And now there's several different apparatuses out oh, there that, are, seen, that yeah. are kind of like this. It, it is basically where you tie the horse up without tying him up. It's mm -hmm. an opportunity for you know you to attach this ring to something firm and solid like a fence post or a pipe fence, whatever the case may be. 
and you put your lead rope through it. And then when the horse pulls back, there's a certain amount of give there. And the way uh, Mr. Blocker's ring is designed, you can actually offer a little bit more resistance with it. So you can have almost no resistance, or you can increase the resistance to where it's almost like being tied by, up hard and fast. By how many times you loop yeah, the rope yeah, through? You, or, yeah, you, it's kind of complicated unless you actually can no. do it without, you know, or with actually using the apparatus itself, which is why I like to use the pipe fence. It's just quick mm-hmm. and easy. Just wrap the lead rope around it one or two times, and it offers just enough resistance. It's virtually the same concept as the blocker tie ring or any other type of one of those tying apparatuses. It's the same concept. But for those who don't have pipe fencing, of course, they might need some sort of other other means of, of doing that. But the most important thing is, is that just don't tie them up hard and fast until we've done our due diligence and teaching them how to give into the halter, how to be very respectful of that space and of that halter space. And then when we do tie them, give them enough room. And But, well, when I say that, I, I want to be very hesitant and cautious when I say give them enough room so they don't pull back and hurt themselves. But we also don't want the lead rope too long because then if the horse does pull back and he comes forward, we don't want him to get a leg over that lead rope either. So there's we've really got to be cautious when we tie a horse up, which brings into the, well, what is the proper length? Well, when I go to tie a horse up to an obstacle or whatever, I do about 18 inches. You know, and, and there's not a magic number. You mean of, uh, from, of from, rope from the, from the halter to the whatever? Yeah, they, from the distance to. from the halter, you know, to whatever it is we've got him tied to. I do about 18 inches. And, and I, it's not that I measure it. It's just, you know, but as a rule of thumb, I do it from the length of my elbow from my fingertips. Mm. It's not quite 18 inches, but it's a good little place to start. So I would oftentimes just kind of, without even really thinking about it, just kind of measure my forearm from my elbow to the tips of my fingers. And that's where I want that lead rope to be tied. Now, if the horse pulls and pulls against that little, not necessarily pulls back, but if he just moves around for a little bit, they'll oftentimes stretch that. Anything longer than that, though, run, I run way too big of a risk for the horse getting turned around incorrectly or pulling back and getting a leg over the lead rope, which all of those things create more problems and more fear and more potential danger for injury. Assuming we've solved the problem or the, the issue of the horse that's pulling back against it, is there just in general a, a proper way or a better way of tying? Or? Well, you know, that's probably one of the biggest issues we see too, Laura. The inexperienced folks, they'll just go tie any kind of knot, just tie the horse up. And, and sometimes those knots aren't secure. The horse will come untied and then the horse is running around dragging a lead rope, which that alone sometimes scares them. But they could, when they come undone like that, they could go interfere with other horses, causing that unsafe situation. So we want to tie a secure knot, but the types of knots that I recommend are a variety of slip knots. There's a, there's a couple of different ones that I use. When I say a slip knot is that, that I want to be able to tie it around the obstacle in such a way that if I grab the tail of the lead rope, in other words, the end where the knot is, I want to be able to pull on that and let the knot come untied, almost like tying your shoes. You know, no matter how tight you tie your shoes, you can just grab the tail of that shoestring and pull on it and it comes undone. Mm-hmm. We want to tie that type of knot when we tie our horses up. Something that is what we call a slip knot of some sort, that when we pull on that tail of that lead rope, in other, in other words, the end of our shoestring, that it comes untied. And we're going to try and do a couple little short video tutorials and put those in the show notes so you can kind of show how to tie a couple of yeah, different knots a, that you a, recommend. Yeah, and there's a couple that I recommend just because they're quick and they're easy. And it's not easy's that I'm, good. Yeah, easy's always good. I love easy because if you're tying up 30 head of horses a day, <laughs> man, the, you know, if you're tying those things quick and easy, it saves a lot of time. Right. So, But I want it to be easy for folks to figure out, too. And the two knots that I really have in mind are both very quick and very simple, easy knots to learn. 
and they're very secure knots, but at the same time, they're also very easy to untie. You know, and with that, I want to consider this too. Whenever I'm thinking about untying a knot, I might even consider the type of lead rope that I've got. The type of lead rope that I use is what we call like an equibraid type rope. And you've seen a lot of us horsemen, a lot of us different horse trainers use these. It's almost like a yacht rope type of rope. It's very slick. And the advantage of that is, is that there's no additional grooves or or waves in the rope, for lack of a better term, that will bind that rope. So it makes it very easy for us to, to untie in case a situation does happen. But another thing I'd like for everybody to do is keep in mind, too, if you're going to be around horses, male or female, I think it's a great idea for us to have some sort of knife on our person. The knife that I recommend is something that will clip to your pocket or to your belt that you can access very quickly, that you can get to just almost at a drop of a hat. I don't like I have a pocket knife because then I've got to dig in my pocket and get the darn thing out and then open it up. But I usually have a knife that is basically called a clip knife and it just clips into my pocket. I can get that very quickly and I want one of the serrated edge on it, not a smooth edge. A serrated edge, if the horse is pulling back or has fallen down or has gotten himself in a really tough situation, I can go and take that knife and cut that rope very quickly and very easily and get this horse out of a potentially dangerous situation. So I tell everybody, if you're going to tie a horse up, don't tie one up unless you've got a knife handy. Some way to get this horse undone. If your slip knot fails and you can't get him untied, you need to get this horse some sort of relief. Another thing that I do for safety's sake is I don't like hardware. None of the halters that I use have rings on the side or buckles or anything like that. We use what we call a you know horseman's halter. Some people call them cowboy halters, but we've seen them. There's just the rope halters. Mm. I love the rope halters because, number one, they're very affordable. Number two, I've never seen a horse be able to break one. And that's important because if a horse oftentimes breaks something like that and it comes free, then they learn that if I fight hard enough, long enough, this thing's going to break and give in. Mm -hmm. So with those rope halters, with the knots tied properly and everything else, they're not going to break free. If something goes wrong, you can still cut them loose fairly easily because they're a fairly small diameter. But there's just simply no hardware that can snap loose and break free and and potentially hurt the horse or inadvertently teach him a bad habit. The other thing is I do the same thing on my lead ropes. Um, I attach my lead ropes directly to the halter, eliminating the snap because the snap is something, again, it's hardware, it can break. And horses are strong enough to break those. So I just don't want to create that potentially dangerous situation as well as that potentially situation that could cause a horse to develop a bad habit. And then lastly, I also want to make sure whatever I tie them to, I want it to be secure. I've seen people tie horses to board fences, for example. The horse pulls back or does something, and then the board itself breaks. And now the horse has got this board chasing it as it's trying to escape. So we've got to be very cautious and very keenly aware of the environment, the type of equipment that we use, and how prepared the horses are before we tie them up. Since you're talking about recommendations and equipment and stuff, is there a an optimum length for a lead rope just for everyday use? Well, and again, that kind of depends on where the horse is in his training. For example, my older gilding, he's 14 years old. I don't need a 12 or 14 foot training lead rope to tie him up. This is way too much rope for me to have to deal with. So I usually have about an eight foot type lead rope that I'm going to be using for everyday type of use. If I'm going to be doing any groundwork exercises or anything like that, then I want a longer lead rope. If I've got a horse in training, He's not been tied up before, and we're going to wrap that lead rope around the pipe a couple of times or through a tying apparatus such as a blocker tiring or something like that. Then I want a longer lead rope because then when the horse does pull back, it's going to take him, in, like if I've got a 12 or 14 foot lead rope, he's got 12 or 14 foot to pull that thing before he's actually free. So 
in those cases, the longer lead ropes are, are the better options. But for the most part, once our horses get trained to tie, I want still to be able to get them untied in case something goes wrong. I want a lead rope that's going to slip fairly easily in case something goes wrong. But I don't want to deal with 14 foot of lead rope when I can get the job done with an eight foot lead rope. All right. I think we've answered the question that was raised of what to do about a horse that wants to pull back when they're tied up. If I'm understanding you right, it starts with helping a horse not get into that habit to begin with, getting things started correctly with a horse, going through that process and being patient to understand why the horse is going to have a problem with being tied up and making it easy for them to learn to be comfortable with it. You gave some suggestions for what to do if you've got a horse that's already developed that bad habit. Have you ever had a horse that had that problem that it couldn't be overcome with time and patience? No, I've, I've never seen one that we had a mare when I was growing up that she was easily startled. But when I say startled, she was only easily startled as she was tied to something that she couldn't see through. For example, if we ever tied her to a trailer and she fell asleep, when she woke up and she saw this wall in front of her, it would oftentimes startle her. (laughs) And it took us a while before we finally got her to the point to where she wouldn't, because she was a big mare. So whenever she pulled back, she would literally rock the trailer back and forth. And we thought the whole darn trailer was going to come apart. So what we ended up doing was we just basically quit tying her up hard and fast. We allowed the lead rope to slide in case she was tied to the trailer and went to sleep and woke up and saw the thing there. But over time, it got to the point where her reaction was less and less violent whenever she woke up and saw that wall of a trailer. You know, you might argue, well, why don't you tie her up someplace different? Well, sometimes you go places to rodeos a lot when I was a kid or to horse shows, and there just weren't any places to tie your horses other than to your trailer. So it was very important for us to get her well-trained to that. So knock on wood, I've never seen a horse that we couldn't retrain. I've seen some that were a little bit more difficult than others. But believe me, it's worth it when you consider the safety of your equipment and safety of your horse, and most importantly, the safety of yourself. So it's worth the every effort we put into it. Uh, I would think so. Well, we appreciate the question. Uh, Hopefully, she'll find that answer helpful. If uh, listeners have questions, they can send those to you by email at info at vanhargis.com. Had to think there for a minute. <laughs> Always can find more information about Van and the Van Hargis Horsemanship Program on the website at vanhargis.com. We're going to, as I said, try and put some photos and or little video tutorials about knot tying and a couple of other things in the show notes, which can be found by going to vanhargis.com and looking for the show notes for this. And finally, uh, folks can connect with you and see what's new and what's happening on Facebook, looking, sure. looking for Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook and check in there and, and send their questions, suggestions, ideas for future episodes, that sort of thing. And we strongly encourage that too, Laura. I mean, you know, this is my passion. I love, you know, people often not times argue, oh man, you must really love horses. I do love horses, but most importantly, I love people. The horses are the vehicle that gets me to the people. And I love to see people enjoy their horses. So we really want to encourage the folks to get with us about your issues, get with us about your problems, and get with us about your experiences, good or bad, with your horses. Share those with us, please. Create some sort of dialogue with us. Because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And I'm so thankful that you guys do give me an opportunity to practice my spiritual gift and um, to kind of follow through with my passion. So thank you so much. And I do hope you get back in contact with us. We really want to encourage that. And until next time, remember, it's your trail, your journey, it's your life. Ride, ever stride. Ever stride.